Welcome back to Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. For this episode, I'm excited to have Carolyn Kindle Betts as our featured guest. Carolyn serves as the president and chief executive officer of St. Louis City Soccer Club. In this episode, Carolyn shares her incredible career journey that led her to lead the development and launch of the 28th team in the MLS that is set to kick off their inaugural season in 2023. Carolyn is a savvy and authentic civic charitable business leader who is at the forefront of ensuring St. Louis is respected as a world-class city by bringing the world's game to her community. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Turnkey ZRG, for supporting Women Blazers this season. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, music, and media. We appreciate Turnkey ZRG's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. I think, honestly, it's my team. You know, we've had to hire, we had to start from the ground up during a pandemic. And so I think the passion that these people show up with every single day, the creativity, you know, we were awarded the team, but now we needed a name, we needed a color, we needed our crest, we needed colors. And so I think just to see the blood, sweat and tears that everybody has put in this endeavor, whatever role you play, and to see the successes that we've had, you know, that that melts my heart. It brings tears to my eyes because these people work very hard to make myself and my family look good. All right, Carolyn. So you are one of Jack Taylor's granddaughters. And Jack Taylor, for those that don't know, is the founder of Enterprise Holdings or what most consumers know as Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Now, how did your experience growing up in such a prominent family help shape you and who you wanted to be? So, you know, first and foremost, I, I absolutely adored my grandfather. Um, he was just a very, you know, handsome, kind, sweet man. But I think one of the things I remember most about him is just his entrepreneurial spirit. You know, he went off to the war, came back, um, had some odd jobs, um, and then finally got the idea to start, you know, what's today Enterprise Holdings. And so I think, you know, just being around um, his creativity and his spirit. I was just very lucky growing up. But I think on the other side of that too, is he was very much a believer in making sure we took care of our communities. And so philanthropy was something that was not only very important to him, but he supported a wide variety of causes. And so I think that, again, we're very fortunate that he, you know, instilled that in the next generation, which would be my aunt and uncle and my mom. And then they've in turn done the same thing to us. What an incredible opportunity to, to grow and learn in such a family and to have that instilled, um, have that community essence um, be instilled in you as you were looking for your future, especially, you know, in your younger years. Now, when you went into college and when you were in that opportunity to make your college decision, you decided to attend University of Tulsa. You know, how did you make that college decision and, and what was your focus and major uh, while in college? Well, I knew I wanted to go into business because I wanted to be like my grandfather and <laughs> my uncle and my dad um, and really my mom too for, you know, she worked up until I was born. And so that part was easy. 
But uh, in high school, I was diagnosed with a slight learning disability. And so I had spent most of my academic career, if you want to call it that, in smaller settings where I was able to have a lot of one-on-one assistance for my professors. So as much as I wanted to go to, you know, Kansas and Mizzou, uh, Kentucky, um, my college counselor was a very sweet man and said, I don't think that that's going to be the best environment for <laughs> So I really actually ended up at University of Tulsa. It was a suggestion um, from a person who was just a little bit older than me who graduated high school with me. And the minute I went down there and toured it, I fell in love with it. And I knew that's where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what was the major and, and what was your focus in college? So I did business management and one of the classes was family owned business. So my mom, I, to- I told my mom I was guaranteed at least one A in business <laughs> That's great. That's great. And and Tulsa's a great city. I spent a lot of time in Tulsa when I was at the NBA League office with the Tulsa Shock. And you know, it's a city that a lot of people don't get a lot of time. It's sort of a pass-through city sometimes. Um, but it's a great city. What was your thoughts about the city of Tulsa? Uh, it has a very St. Louis feel to it. And so yeah. I think that um it felt being at home. Um University of Tulsa is very similar to St. Louis University. I think I liked the people. I liked the convenience. I liked it being a city, but not a big, big city. And quite frankly, um, I liked being, like I said, close to home. Yeah. So it was just a perfect school for me. But I think I think one of the things I appreciated most when I the six years total down there was just the people. Mm-hmm. You know, they were so they were fun and, um, you know, just happy. And so I really, really enjoyed my time there. Yeah. I mean, people make all the difference, obviously, in the community that you can build around yourselves in college to help put yourself on the path that you want to be. And so for you, after after graduation, you knew that you're going to go into your family business. Um, so you have a North Star there. And you began as an intern at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and worked your way up the ladder and became the assistant VP of rentals, um, which is amazing. So if you, if you don't mind, share with us how you navigated the opportunity to learn and grow with enterprise and your approach to growth, um, being someone who knows that that was your path. Yeah. I mean, my parents were very big believers of hard work. And so whenever, when we turned 16, um, all of us had to get a summer job and the summer after my freshman year of college, my mom said, why don't you go intern, um, at enterprise? Because obviously you're the truth of the matter is I loved it. I, I loved the people, um, I liked the challenges. And so when I went back to school, they offered me um, like a part-time internship role. And I went to my mom and um, I just remember her saying, well, that that's great. You know, if that's what you want to do. And I said, well, I also need um, my allowance raised. And she said, no, I don't think so. So I said, so if you're not going to increase my allowance. I said, well, then I'm going to go back to work. So I actually worked throughout the rest of college. And I, I truthfully think one, it sort of helped me stay focused and on track in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but second, I really liked being able to apply the concepts I was learning, you know, so here I am taking classes and taking, you know, communication classes, um, organizational development classes. And so when you're working in a rental branch, um, you do get to apply those concepts. But I also liked working together as a cohesive team. So I did most of my internships in daily rental. And, you know, Fridays, can be busy and you have to get creative and you have to work collaboratively. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, But also when I came, so I moved back to St. Louis in 2001 and I was ready to do something different within enterprise. And I've always been sort of one of those 
yeah, you know, every couple of years I'll try something different. So I worked in fleet management. Um, I've managed some of our national relationships with insurance accounts. And then I turned and then I ended up in the, the vice president of daily rental operations, um, which was, again, very challenging, probably more of a consultant role, but it allowed our corporate office to be in touch and have a day to day contact with um, our field operations as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's incredible, and I guess reflecting back on your your time in 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 whole with enterprise and and the rent a car offices, you know what's what are some of those key learnings and principles you carry with you always when it comes to leading and learning? I think from our city SC club perspective, you know, going back to my grandfather, he always felt like we needed to take care of the communities where we lived and worked because after all, it was it was you know, these people having faith in a regional rental car company at the time and coming in and renting cars, um, but also how we recruited our employees. And so Jack has always been about and and still about community. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things at City that we take very seriously is, while this is an incredible sport, there also is a community component that's just as important as well. Absolutely. Um, I think some of the other things I learned was, you know, sort of family dynamics here. My, like I said, my grandfather, Jack, was an entrepreneur, but Andy, my uncle, was a strategist. And when we had the opportunity to start expanding, um, whether it be into Canada, whether it be into, you know, Europe and global, Jack was very aware of the fact that maybe he needed to kind of step back and turn the reins over to Andy. And so given the time, so think about 1980, really, I think that was a very big step for my grandfather to be able to have sort of that insight to say that this is, I've, I've hit my max. So now I'm going to turn it over to my son because I really want this to become successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that I've been blessed that, you know, we've had two female CEOs. Um, I think my, my grandfather and my family appreciate, um, I think the hard work women can do and the perspectives that they bring. And so we have been a pro female business. Um, yeah. And so I think that there's there's a lot of lessons I've learned. I just had my 25th anniversary with Enterprise, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> I think personally, I learned, a, a, you know, hopefully about how to manage people. And unfortunately, I usually learn those from the managers that I didn't like. <laughs> and I just remember telling my mom one day, I will never be like that. Um, but on the flip side, the managers I did like and I really admired, I learned so much from them, both both professionally and personally as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think that's a that's an awesome lesson there, especially at the end, is you could be in an environment right now where you feel like, you know, you don't have the greatest leaders or surrounded by some of, you know, some great strategists, you know, as you were. Um, but you are learning. You're learning what you would do differently and you're starting to map out maybe your own structure and future when you get the opportunity to step up and lead as well. So especially for our listeners, you know, that's um, that's something to tap into that every day is a learning opportunity and an opportunity to just structure out your leadership style and the things that you would be doing differently. And hopefully it motivates you to want to move up into those roles. In 2013, you moved into a new role and you were named the vice president of an executive director for Enterprise Holdings Foundation. And in short six years, you were named the president of the foundation. What inspired and motivated this move in your career? And what did you enjoy most about um, this opportunity to lead um, the foundation for your, for your family and for the organization? Well, I have to say this. So when she hears it, she, she, she knows I'm, um, I'm being sincere. Um, it was actually an opportunity to go work with my mom. Wow. And my mom is one of my biggest mentors. And quite frankly, probably 
one of my best friends. And so I had done the operations route, um, kind of going back to, I was just ready to do something else. I think my mom was also looking about maybe spending a little less time at work and focusing on um, just having some fun in life. And so she asked me if I would come over. And it was actually a really great opportunity. And one of the things is I, I truly enjoyed working with my mom and similar to my grandfather, when I was trying to sort of take the gener to take the foundation into the next generation and the next phase of it, which was probably a little bit out of her comfort zone, she supported me 100%. So with her and the wonderful team I have at the foundation, we really had to kind of focus in on what were gonna be the next big social issues that a global company could have, it could impact. So with that, we created um, a global feeding program. Um, we partnered with the Nature Conservancy um, to really address water. Um, and then we've had a couple of other big partnerships. And so it was just exciting to be able to be creative in a different way, um, but also kind of going back to the roots of my grandfather always making sure that enterprise had a very strong community involvement and a community lens in everything that we do. Where part of my job too, which prepared me for somewhat prepared me for this job is my family had just worked on um, and we were lead contributor, but also I sat on the board of renovating the gateway arch grounds mm -hmm. and it was the largest public private partnership to date. So our, we were partnered with the city of St. Louis, the state of Missouri and the national park service. And it was really a great opportunity to see how a project like that works because mo my career had been strictly on the inside of enterprise and not really doing things on the outside of enterprise. So to be able to have that experience, I think was truly what helped me get to where I am today because I do understand a little bit about massive building um, projects, probably a lot more now than I ever wanted to. <laughs> right, um, right. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I mean, I probably, I joke around, I probably have a minor in construction management right now after the last <laughs> like 10 years of my life doing projects. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think the whole entire experience of leaving the operation side of the business to do the philanthropic side of the business was, again, a great opportunity. And, and I, I, I thank my mom because she definitely kind of nudged me a little bit and then pulled me, which was probably what I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we started the soccer team, because my family really was kind of thinking about what was the next great thing we were going to do for the community, I sort of brought her out of semi-retirement. I was like... <laughs> Um, I need your help. And so it's been good having her back. That's sure. great. That's great. Well, and I, that's a great segue. So starting in August of 2019, you, you basically had two jobs um, as you became one of the owners of the 28th MLS team, the St. Louis City um, SC. And as you talk about, you know, bringing your mom out of retirement and starting um, a team, an MLS team and launching a team there in St. Louis, you know, what, what ultimately inspired you and your family to, to launch an MLS team there in St. Louis? I think it goes back to, again, my grandfather and what do we do for the St. Louis community? Because in our mind, St. Louis is a fantastic place. I mean, it has its issues just like every other city, but we've had, you know, we're on our fourth generation here. And so, and, and like I said, the business, the city's been supportive to our businesses, to our families. And so we just really want to make sure that we do things that elevate the status of St. Louis and hopefully put it back on the international radar, which is where I want it to be. So as I said, wrapping up the arch grounds, um, my grandfather heavily invested in the symphony because he believed every world-class city had to have a symphony. Um, we kind of just wanted to do something different. And 
my uncle just happened to walk into my mom's office and I was sitting there and he said, what do you think about soccer? And I'm like, oh, I think soccer's amazing. I mean, I've never played it, but I, I, I think it's great. And he said, perfect. Meet me in a half an hour. We're going to, we have a meeting we need to attend. And so I think the more and more we learned about MLS, the more and more we learned about the rich soccer history here in the city, it became clear that this could be um, a really good thing for the city. The lesser known side of this was nobody in my family had ever done this before or really knew about soccer. So it was something to kind of bring us all together Mm -hmm. and to see the excitement even now. I mean, we have, we have, you know, quarterly family meetings and we now are put carving out 30 minutes just to talk soccer because they're so supportive and they're so excited. So fast forward, um, in 2018, we went up and talked to MLS about um, what we really wanted to do and how we envisioned this. And then in 2019, we were awarded, as you said, the 28th um, expansion team. So it's been a wild ride. It's been fun. And you know, <laughs> we work in sports. There's a reason why there's so much drama in sports. And yes. Um, but you know, just to see people in city shirts and to see people with the you know the stickers on the back of your car you know, it's hard to believe, but makes me so proud that my family has really stuck to this and really have, they've been so supportive in anything that we ask to make this, again, a world-class professional soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing the power and platform to be at the, at the, at the ground level to bring that to St. Louis and the passion that will be built around your club and that city is going to be so meaningful and obviously it's going to expand generations, not just with your family, but with the fans that you're engaging with, with the club, it's, it's a remarkable experience and it's almost hard to describe until you're in it. Um, And I hope that you guys get to lift a trophy. Obviously that's, that's going to be a magical moment someday. Um, um, And, you know, I, I think it's interesting as you, as you talk about how your family wasn't in the game of soccer and it doesn't sound like you were, you were invested in any other sports franchises either. Is that correct? So my mom and my uncle have a small ownership in the St. Louis Blues, the um, professional hockey team, because oh, very sim- very similar to City and the Cardinals, they're all um, owned by local ownership groups. Got it. Yeah. So they, so they had a, they, they were in it. So they understood the opportunity there. That's great. So, I mean, it, from sport to sport, it, you know, it has all the same impact. Um, you know, it, has the opportunity to have the impact that you wanted to have. So that's really, that's really cool. And um, I had read that, uh, that you had talked about um, having to buy a, uh, was it soccer for dummies book? Is that true? <laughs> it is actually. Um, I will tell you that you probably need to watch soccer while you're reading soccer for dummies. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's proudly displayed in my house right now. Uh, <laughs> with lots of pages folded over and highlights, but yeah, I, I mean, seriously, I, it was sort of agreed upon. They're like, well, Carolyn, why don't you sort of be the point person for the soccer team? Obviously not knowing what we know now. And I literally was like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I guess I should buy a ball and I guess I should buy a book. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You know, it's, uh, it's proof that, you know, um, that you can, you can literally, you know, do anything, um, be any, be anyone and you can jump into it. It just starts with passion, you know, passion and a, and a focus for you personally, like what has been the most rewarding about the process of building the club and, and really just bringing the community around the club as you, as you guys look to, to kick off next season for the first time. I think honestly, it's my team. You know, we've had to hire, I mean, we had to start from the ground up during a pandemic 
And so I think the passion that these people show up with every single day, the creativity, you know, we were awarded the team, but now we needed a name, we needed a color, we needed our crest, we needed colors. And so I think just to see the blood, sweat and tears that everybody has put in this endeavor, whatever role you play, and to see the successes that we've had, you know, that that melts my heart. It brings tears to my eyes because these people work very hard to make myself and my family look good. I think there's always, there's also a sense of pride too, when you know, going through um, our ticket sales and it's not uncommon to have somebody that I don't even know, just shout out their, their section number and their seat number. And they're just so <laughs> happy and they want to high five me. It's, it's a true story. The first time it happened, I was so confused. And somebody next to me was like, I think that's their section and their seat number. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, to say, we, okay, we want to break this record and we, you know, we break that record. But I mean, it's, it's really all fans of all ages. And, and I, you know, one of the stories that just keeps, that touches my heart was, you know, I was at a birthday party at a bochi ball match Mm-hmm. And this 10 year old, just as confident as ever, walks right up to me and she's like, Mrs. Betts. And I said, yes. And she said, you know what? Will you take a picture with me? Because I'm going to be the most popular girl in school. <laughs> and I said, well, absolutely. And she goes, I'm a soccer player. Thank you for everything you're doing. And her mom comes up behind her. I'm like, can I hire her like now? Like <laughs> this girl was, is just going to be a powerhouse. And so just and the, the, you know, down to the, to the sweet little lady that says, I don't watch soccer, but my kids, my grandkids play soccer. So you have all of my support, you know, you're those heartwarming moments, you know, do remind you every day why you're doing this. Absolutely. It's that passion. It's the, the heart, it's the connection and, and it gives, it makes a difference in people's lives. Um, and you don't even really, to your point, like you don't even know it until you're doing it. And, and it's, it's nice to receive that that recognition and those stories to help really fuel the next day and to keep going, you know, um, it's, it's really special. To transition here in every episode, I I love to hit on some of the main topics we talk about from episode to episode. And one of the ones that I wanted to really tap into is women empowerment, Um, especially with you. You know, I find it extremely interesting that as you talk about your grandfather and his legacy, um, that all of his grandchildren are girls or women now. And therefore, it was inevitable that someday take the reins and lead his legacy forward. So, you know, what did you learn about women empowerment, um, especially also coming from your mother as well, you know, that you think would be valuable for other women to hear and to, to know? Well, I have to say that um, my family has been very supportive of whatever we wanted to do. And so as with most families, you know, we all have very different um, areas of expertise and and passion, quite frankly. So my sister, for instance, um, founded a nonprofit that's all about taking women in crisis and getting them into a much better life. Uh, My cousin, Patty, she runs this amazing horse horse showing business. My cousin, Chrissy, CEO of, of Enterprise Holdings. And so I think that being able to have the support that we've had unconditionally has been really transformational. I think as far as, you know, the, the empowerment piece, I think it's also about who you surround yourself with. You know, you definitely need to have your girl squad. And, and I have to be honest with you. And sometimes it's people that you may not necessarily like, or, you know, that they're, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. And I think that being able to recognize 
the diversity in the group of people you need to sort of be your, your squad is important. Um, you know, you're, you're going to need somebody like the mom who's going to, you know, tell you you're perfect and everything, this and that. You're going to need that best friend that might position it a different way and so on and so forth. So I think that I think it's extremely important to make sure that you surround yourself with a very strong group so that they can be there to celebrate the highs, um, you know, pick you out from the lows and everything in between. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I, I love that. And just curious for you as as you as you grew from, let's say, college student through your business career into where you are now, did the the people you surround yourself change and evolve to meet the needs that you had? Or, or do you keep a very core, close group um, in terms of, of the women that you surround yourself with and the supporters you surround yourself with? I think that it's probably expanded, but a lot of that is because just of the different points I am in my life and everything that I have going on. And so I think that as sort of my, I say my interest change, I think as I was taking, and I'm, this is the truth. I think as I was taking my career more seriously and realizing that I had to, I had to adult, um, but also just expanding my horizons. You know, I went from working in a daily rental operation to managing a foundation to running a sports team. And I, I, I think that, Yes, my circle has definitely grown, but I think in a way that I needed it to grow. So yeah. Carolyn needed more, probably more, I'm going to call it assistance because that's what I did when I moved over into a sports role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy about that, you know, and I think that, like I said, you know, I, I still continue to learn things. Um, one of my best managers I had when I was, gosh, probably 23, 24, to this day, I still use time management tactics that she taught me. (laughs) And I had lunch with her six months ago. I mean, I still keep her on my radar, check in with her. And I still give her like the biggest props because she taught me so many valuable lessons. And I am just forever grateful for that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you have, you always have your core. And I I think um, as as you described it, I I love how you described how you found this expansion based on the needs you had as you were growing as an individual and obviously in the different spaces that you were in. Um, And it's always an evolving piece, but ultimately it's, it's what you need at that time. And, and that's what you have to be, um, you know, sort of uh, dedicated to. Um, Transitioning to lifestyle. um, This is one I talk about every single episode, um, one of the most dreaded questions I get, and I'm sure you get it too sometimes, is like, talk to me about work-life balance. And so what we did on this podcast is we threw out that term, we hate that term, and <laughs> we talk about lifestyle and the fact that, you know, we have, we have framed and built lives that work for us and the people in our lives. And so, um, and it just works for us, right? Like it's our lifestyle that we chose. And so just curious for you, can you give us um, a peek into your lifestyle? How has it evolved over time? And how do you manage the sort of the intersections of personal interest and, and the professional requirements that you have? So it's funny. I always tell the story. I remember, God, probably 20 years ago, I used to laugh at my boss. It would be up at like 5.15 and on the treadmill and watching the news and all this other stuff. I literally turned into that person because it's like, <laughs> I need to get up and watch the news or I need like time to wake up. And so I love getting on my treadmill in the morning um, and just getting mentally prepared for my day. Right. Um, I think the other thing I'm into these wordle groups and I I hate to be that person, but I mean, I wake up in the morning, like what's my five letter word going to be today? 
but it's a good way to stay connected. So like I'm in two different Wordle groups with my girlfriends, some, you know, with my guy friends. And so it's just kind of nice to have that daily connection because we're all super busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always have believed this lifestyle is very personal. You know, I, just look at my sister and I, you know, my sister and I, I, I am a, I like to be on the go. I don't like to stop. Um, I love walking and and my sister, on the other hand, is like, she could, she could lay in bed till noon, one o'clock. She loves Bravo TV. And so it's funny how when we travel together, I'm the one up, I've worked out, I've got coffee made, I got breakfast ready to go. And she'll come down and she'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, you're so sweet. Thanks for doing that. So <laughs> I use that as, as I, I it's whatever is best for you. Um, and I think finally, the most important thing, at least during the pandemic, I learned is I just, I need to be better about saying yes to spending time with my friends. Mm-hmm. And in full disclosure, I was that person that was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. You know, we'll get together next week. Or, you know what, I'm just really busy right now, or I'm not in a good mood. And then all of a sudden pandemic hit and you didn't have that next week. And so one thing that I've been really trying to push myself to do is to say yes, you know, to take that walk, to go have that glass of wine or to go have that snack. Um, because one thing I learned, and I think most people did, is it it may not be there. And so I think that that's really been a focus when it comes to lifestyle for me personally. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. You know, for, for me, I, I get so caught up in my schedule and, you know, um, I think my personal time, I, I don't dedicate as much to, I want to, I'm an individual where I, I invest in work, I invest in my family, I invest, you know, everywhere else, but in myself. And I would say, you, you know, my friend, my friend side of my life is, is, I feel more personal than, than anything else. And so I generally would um, neglect that side. And I've learned that I have to put it on my calendar. I literally schedule like friend time and I, re- <laughs> I schedule it like, like an appointment to call somebody or to schedule time to go get drinks or, you know, dinner or something. Um, it's, I, I would like to get to a point where I'm no longer just scheduling, but to your point saying yes in the moment versus having to schedule it out. So it's my stepping stone to that. And I, I'm inspired by, by what you're able to accomplish there. Yes. And then to close it up, um, we'd love to hear um, some final words of advice. You know, what advice would you leave for our listeners based on your experience, um, you know, and your accomplishments? Well, I think first and foremost, one lesson I always try to live by is just be authentic. You know, I think when you talk about things you have to have in situations and whether they're fun, whether they're difficult, whether it's empowerment, you have to be, you just have to be authentic. And especially people like me. I am the worst liar ever. And so it's just easy. I mean, you can see it on my face. And so I think I've just really tried to embrace the fact that I am a person that has to be honest. I think the second thing is um, really is kind of leaning back into that friends group again. And I tell this story because I was not aware of what I was doing until my mom, of course, said something. So something we had, you know, something happened at work, nothing too bad, but I, it just took it very personally. And I called her and I was trying not to cry at work, but obviously she's my mom and she knew something was going on. And I kind of told her and she immediately flipped it around on me in a good way. She's like, okay, well, the reason why these changes are happening is because you have been so successful. Cause I looked at it as like, I failed. Right. Mm. And I just remember her saying to me, Carolyn, you set the highest expectations on yourself and you assume everybody else is there too. 
people are just so proud of you for what you're doing right now that all of this other stuff is something that you are projecting on yourself. Uh-huh. No one else is projecting that on you. And so she kind of made me realize that one, while I can be my own worst enemy, but two, I was unfairly assuming that people were putting me or holding me to these standards. And so I think just having that kind of just make sure you're aware of what's really ha- what's like what's real and what's you or in my case me putting so much pressure on myself that I was missing the fact that nobody else was doing that but me. Yeah. Yeah, no that's that's really good advice and it's good reflection too because so often um, we do that to ourselves. Um, we put ourselves in this this standard in this this level um, and you might you know, everybody else is looking at you completely different. Um, and it's a good and bad thing. You know, it's a, it's definitely a good and bad thing, it, but it definitely pushes and drives us to be, to be the best, you know, that we can in these, in these roles. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I need that motivation. That's how I think I work best, but she just did a very motherly kind job of saying, don't push it too far. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep those words in, in my back pocket too. So thank you, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thank you, Carolyn, for joining me on this podcast and, and for sharing your experiences and your accomplishments and all the wonderful things that you're doing in St. Louis. Um, wishing you all the best um, as you guys close up uh, the final stages and kick off next year. Great. Thank you so much. And, and hopefully we uh, get to meet up in person here soon. And that's a wrap on episode 49. Thank you to Carolyn for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you to Carolyn, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping events equity in pro sports. Now to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers community, I always invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers. And look forward to episode 50 dropping on Monday, August 15th, featuring Ashley Galbraith, Senior Director of Membership Services for the LA Dodgers of the MLB. Until next time, have a wonderful week.